Well, good morning, King's family. It is an honor to be with you uh, this morning. So glad that you joined us. Uh, man, I've been, uh, I've known Dylan for 10 years now, and there's just few, there are just a few guys that I have as much respect for as I do uh, Dylan. He is not just a capable leader. He is passionate. He is humble. Uh, he is selfless. We, we miss him terribly here at Jubilee Church. And so, if, man, if you're in the Casey area and you're not connected to church, you'd be crazy not to connect up with King's Church. And as you know, too, Rebecca, his wife, is equally as amazing. I've actually known her for longer. I've known her for 14 years. In fact, I had the privilege of, of baptizing her. I'd love to show you a picture, but we didn't have phones back then that had cameras, so we don't have a picture for you. But you know how amazing they are. What you may not know about me anyway is I've been married for, for 19 years to uh, Rachel and I met my wife 21 years ago, and I instantly knew that she was the one. She, on the other hand, took a, a little warming up because from a distance, we were not each other's type, okay? So she was, she's from the design artistic world of, of, of beauty and, and feelings. I'm from the efficient driven world of productivity and ideas. She's about the present and fostering connection. I'm about the future, you know, fostering action. She's about uh, decoration and, and flowers and pictures and furniture. And like, I, I had like a milk crate and a TV tray. Like that was the extent of, of my furniture. I like sports. She's into baking shows. Uh, she likes variety. I'm into sameness. So like she had more variety in her diet in, in, a, in a week than I think I had my entire life when, when I met her. So, so from a distance, I'm not sure her and I would have ever happened from a distance, we weren't each other's type. So, so what happened? Well, here's what happened. I, I encountered her. I, I met her, and, and that made all the difference. Now, now I eat different. Now I have quinoa. Now, now I watch baking shows, even when the big game is on. And uh, sometimes I watch baking shows all by myself. Um, now I have a line item in my budget called furniture. There's, there's all kinds of things that are different about me because I encountered her. Because listen, there are some encounters that are so powerful, they can be absolutely life-changing. And there is no more life-changing encounter than when you encounter the God of the universe. And this may encourage some of you who are trying to figure out what Christianity is all about. Because because some people think about, they look at God and they're like, you know, I'm just not the Christian type. You know, you know there, there's a type of Christian and, and I'm not... And I just want you to know something about this. There is no one who is God's type. Uh, there, there's not no one. In fact, this is what the Bible has to say. Paul wrote this uh, to, to the church in Rome, and they, were, they had the same kind of fears that you are. They didn't think, they didn't know how to connect with God. And he said this, he said, he said, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, check this out, no one seeks for God. So from a distance, no one looks at God and, and says, I'm his type and he's my type. No one does that. No, no one, but, but how in the world are there Christians all over the world? Well, this is how there are Christians all over the world. It's not because there is a type of person who is a Christian. There are pe- people have an encounter with him. And there are some encounters that are so powerful, it changes everything. And this is so true with God. And so what I want to do briefly, or at least as briefly as a, as a preacher can, is I want to show you what this encounter looked like uh, from a guy in the Bible named Isaiah. 
And I want to talk to you about what God's, God's heart is like for people all over the world and how you can have that, um, how, how you can have that same heart just like Isaiah did. So let's take a look at this text and see what he experienced to see how our lives can be changed and to see what the kind of implications uh, that would mean for here and now. Okay, so I'm going to read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And in verse 1, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Okay, so here's what's going on here. Uh, in the ancient Near East, the length of your train... Um, of your robe indicated how big your kingdom is. So if you had a small train to your robe, you had a small kingdom. If you had a bigger train to your robe, you had a a larger kingdom. And what's being communicated here when it says that his train filled the temple, he's saying that there's absolutely no room for any other, anyone else's authority in the presence of God. He is the main course and there is no side dish. I was uh, at this steakhouse about six months ago, and I ordered, I kid you not, a 32-ounce steak. And it did not come with a side dish. Do you want to know why it didn't come with a side dish? Because there was no other room on the plate. And that is what is being communicated here. When God comes into a life, when God comes into a room, there is no room for any other authority in his presence. It goes on, above him stood the seraphim, which were angels and um, you know, these beings here were th- that were on fire were angels. So the seraphim had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to the other, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We'll come back to that phrase in a minute. And the foundations of the threshold shook the voice of him who called, and his house was filled with smoke. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, that is one of the angels, flew to me, these burning beings, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So the, the picture that's wanting to be communicated here is this is a frightening thing. I mean, you've got God with this big train. You have these burning beings we've called angels, which I know is a different picture when we think of angels. When we think of angels, we think of a naked baby in a diaper playing a harp. But that's not true here. It's actually not true in the Bible. In fact, here's a little Bible trivia for you. The two most common phrases um, said by angels are fear not and get up. That's because angels are scary. And so this is a scary scene. So as you can tell, like Isaiah's like, woe is me, I'm about ready to get destroyed here. But what happens? It says, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. I'll explain that here in a little bit. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Whom shall go for us? And then Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And what I want to point out here really quickly is that God's, God has a heart to reach the world. His a big agenda is that he is on a search and rescue mission for his lost kids all over the world. Even though that, that people of the world, their values are at odds with his kingdom, he loves them and he wants to search after them. That's why he says, who will go for me? I, I want to reach people. I want, to, I want people to know who I am. He, want, he, he wants you to know who he is. But then when you encounter him, he wants to send you on mission to go find other lost kids. And this is true all throughout 
the scriptures. Um, Jesus communicating his heart for other people. Now, it's been my experience that not Christians don't always have that kind of attitude. Some Christians want to judge the world. They, they see they, some Christians see themselves as the good guys, and uh, the you know the secular people are, are the bad guys, and it's the job of the good guys to beat the bad guys. Uh, religion does that. Religion divides us into the good and the bad, but the gospel d- divides not in the good and the bad. The, the, the gospel divides us up into everyone and then Jesus. There's only one who's good. And besides, Jesus didn't come to beat the bad guys. He came to be beaten for the bad guys. So he doesn't want us to judge the world. Some people want to avoid the world. You know, there, there are a group of Christians um, who made social distancing a reality before it was a thing. Uh, that They wouldn't get within six feet of any non-Christian because they were afraid of being affected by the world. So they, out of fear, they stayed distant and they created subcultures. But Jesus was a friend of sinners and he came close. So there's some who want to judge, some who want to avoid, some who want to mirror. Some people, uh, th- th- they're, they're afraid too, but they're not afraid of being affected by the world. They're afraid of being rejected by the world. So they become just like it. But God's heart isn't that we would judge. God's heart isn't that we would avoid. God's heart that, that we wouldn't mirror. God's heart is that we would reach, that we would be transformed and we would seek out of that transformation of, of encountering him, that we would go out and we would reach the world motivated by love. And Isaiah encountered God. Out of his encounter with God, he now has this posture of saying, I want to be just like you and I want to go find, if you want to go find people, I want to go find them with you. And that's what happens. Encounter with God always, 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 always leads to mission with God. Jesus said this very often, and this is a repeated phrase in the Bible, follow me, follow me, follow me, and I will make you, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you, I will turn you into someone who goes and and, and shares the good news of the kingdom so that more and more people can come into my family. That is my heart. Jesus said that over and over again. He says, I did not come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. I have come. Luke 19, it says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. About 40 times in the gospels, Jesus says, the father has sent me. And then in John 17, he said this, he says, as the father has sent me, so he sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. I have come to seek and save the lost. And then he says in John 17, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Because encounter with Jesus always leads to mission with Jesus, to do whenever, to do whatever, and to, do, and to go wherever he calls us to go. Jesus so much wants to reach people. He told stories about this. I mean, so one, at one time in Luke 15, he told, us, he told three stories. They all had the same point, which is God uh, wants to seek and save lost things. He wants to, you know, lost sheep. Which one of you, if you have 100 sheep and you lose one, you will not leave the 99 for the one. Which one of you, you have 10 coins, you, 10 coins, you lose one. Would you not turn everything upside down to go find the one? You have two sons. You lose one. Would you, you know, there's a party in heaven when, when that lost son comes back. And that's what God has his heart. And he wants to impart that same heart to you. Well, how do we get that heart? Well, it's going to seem a little odd how we get there. But this is how Isaiah got here. First of all, when he 
one of the things that I want us to point out is that one of the things that the angel was saying, the angels were saying, they were saying, holy, holy, holy. Now, the fact that they repeated that three times is extremely significant. Uh, the Bible often repeats things twice. So Jesus would say, truly, truly. And, and that emphasis was, or excuse me, saying it twice was to bring emphasis to that word because they only had, the Hebrew language only has about six to 8,000 words. The, the English language has about a million words. And so if we want to say something is big, we can say it's big, it's, it's enormous, it's gigantic. You know, we can combine words, it's ginormous. I mean, we, we have all kinds of options. They didn't have those options. So they just repeated it. Well, there's only one place in the Bible where something is repeated three times, and, and you're looking at it here in Isaiah. So what is he saying when he's saying that he is holy, holy, holy? Because it never says that God is power, power, power. It never even says that fundamentally that God is love, love, and love. It says fundamentally that God is holy, holy, holy. This is, this is the thing that is, mo that, that is the most true about God. And he's not just talking about sometimes when we think holy, we just think moral purity. But what it's, he's saying is that God is so other, that God is other. The thing about God is that he, he is so other. He is so different that he is big and we are small, that he is high and we are low, that he is great and we are not, that he is good and we are not, that he is loving and we are not. There is a gap between to encounter God is to understand that there is a gap between him and us. And Isaiah feels this gap. He feels this gap and he becomes afraid. And the reason why he becomes afraid is because he thinks judgment is going to come down on him. That's why he cries out, woe is me, for I am a sinful person. But what happens in this moment is God doesn't come down with judgment. He comes down with grace. And, the, and he comes down with grace and he atones for his sin. You know what? God doesn't want to come down on you either. There are people who, 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 who read the Bible or they go to a service or they hear someone talk about who God is and they, and they just, they see holy, that God is holy and he is other and he is different. And they think, well, yeah, he's holy and he's different. He's, he's just an angry white guy. He's just going to come down on me with judgment, but he won't. And here's why he won't. He's not going to come down with you in judgment. He's going to come down with you in love. And here's why. It's because of what his son did. See, the reason why Isaiah received grace and the reason why you can receive grace is because judgment came down on Jesus. Jesus on the cross bore the punishment, bore the wrath of your sin. And so Isaiah feels the gap between God and him, says, I am going to receive judgment. But instead of judgment, he receives grace. So he's like, he gets transformed by this grace and so he's just like, God, whatever you want, I'm in. If you want me to go, I'll go. And he goes. And that's true for us too, that we may come to God wanting something from him. But when we encounter his presence, we're willing to be, okay, God, I'll do whatever you want. And that's what Isaiah did. And that's what we need to do. So if you, if you want this heart, if you want the, to, it's the heart of God, it, it comes out of an encounter with him. And so if you, if you, today, if you're just like, man, I just don't feel that way about, about people. Listen, don't, don't try to go out in your own strength, but have an encounter with him today. So, so what happens if you do have this encounter? What do we do? How do we, what does being sent look like? Well, it looks a lot different before COVID-19 and after COVID-19. So I won't give you a bunch of practicals. I'll just give you a principle. 
Here's what it means. It means to take responsibility for the lost people in your life. So maybe you can and then text them. You, you can serve them. You can share the hope that you have. You know, I don't know what church life is going to look like this summer. I don't know what church life is going to look like uh, in the fall or even next year for that. No one does. That's kind of the uh, unnerving thing. No one knows this. But here's what I know. I know that that hope is alive, and I know that the gospel is unchained. You know, even when we have a stay-at-home order, you know, the Apostle Paul, if you don't know the Apostle Paul, he was a, a key leader in the early church, and he wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, he, he spent five years of his prime ministry life in prison, in confinement, and he said two very important things I, w- I just want to share with you. Um, he said to, to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.9, he says, I am bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. And then in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 12, he's in prison again. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, that is being in prison, uh, you know, I've got to stay at home order, has really served to advance the gospel. And what had happened is that he just leveraged that opportunity to share the gospel to about 600 Roman soldiers. And you have new opportunities. You may be confined in your home, but you have new opportunities. I just want to encourage you uh, that you can still encounter his presence and you can still be on mission with him. The word of God is not bound by change. The word of God has no stay-at-home order. The word of God can be spread and you and God wants to use you to see that spread. And look, I know it's terrifying. I know it's a risk to put yourself out there, but but God wants to know that he is with you and for you. And so what I want to do, I want us to close. Um, Dylan here in a minute, if you don't know Jesus, Dylan here in a minute is going to lead you to an opportunity to encounter the living God. But I just want to talk to those who are like, okay, I'm in. Uh, I, I, I want to go out. I, I want to do this. I want to leave you with this thought. And then I want to pray with you. I want you to, I want to remind you that there, that there, that God's presence was once lethal for you, but now it's love for you. And I don't want you to be motivated by guilt, but I do want you to be motivated by love. I want you to be motivated by his love for you. And here's the thing. If his, if his power is now no longer against you, it's for you, then you have nothing to fear. You don't have to fear the economy. You don't have to fear your health and you don't have to fear, uh, uh, being ridiculed by others because of your faith, that you can go out in confidence. So let me pray for you. God, I just thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, we, we know that, we, that judgment was coming to us, but we didn't get judgment, we got grace. And God, we want to be those who are motivated out of an encounter with you, not out of guilt. But we want to be motivated by love to go and tell as many people about you as possible. We just love your grace and thank you for your grace. Amen.